Welcome to CMTW Podcast. Doctors who wanted to specialize in neurological disorders. And then over the, I would say kind of in the recent past, they've really tried to expand their curriculum and open up their curriculum to people in other healthcare fields, such as our field, acupuncturists, as well as physical therapists and uh, some other healthcare providers. And, and so the their basic foundational course in clinical neuroscience is a really robust 25 weekend long training program where they take certain aspects and dive really deep into them. So they'll spend an entire weekend just talking about the cerebellum or an entire weekend just talking about doing a cranial nerve exam or an entire weekend just talking about the, the neuroscience of pain. And so they've just really flushed out uh, this amazing program in in understanding neurology and in understanding neuroanatomy and neurophysiology and then how that relates to diseases and then that builds into how do you do a functional neurological exam because especially when it comes to concussions it's such an, a great example of uh, a situation where most of the the pathology that you're seeing is a functional pathology there's not an anatomical lesion they didn't have an internal brain bleed that took out an entire part of the brain, you know, so most of it is a functional issue, which is why a lot of people within the kind of Western field of medicine are stuck in a model that doesn't quite know how to work functionally with people with these types of, of symptoms. So the, the Carrick Institute does such a great job of teaching the neurological exams, teaching people how to look at things from a functional perspective, and uh, it's very oriented on, on clinical applications as opposed to if you went to, say, a master's program in neuroscience, it would be very textbook uh, and not always so relevant to people that are treating patients day in and day out. Did you take, did you, you took training at, the, at that institute? So that, that institute, um, they, they they used to have a clinic in Atlanta, Georgia. That clinic has since closed. And so now they, um, they are affiliated with a clinic called the Plasticity Center in Orlando. Um, but Dr. Carrick himself is no longer actively treating patients at, at certain clinics. And so they are, um, I think, you know, kind of in the process of figuring out how to provide people with more hands-on opportunities. Um, what was really helpful for me was that when I was doing my DAOM program, our DAOM program required you to do seven weeks of externships where you were shadowing other doctors. And so I did all my externships with functional neurology practitioners. And so I got some really good hands-on uh, practice and, and training um, from some people that had been in the field for 20 plus years. So. Did you do a lot of independent study in neurology um, to get to get to the level of knowledge that you are now? Um, I did a ton, and I continue to do a, a ton of independent study. I've got a, a doctor in Spain that I have on retainer, and he just goes and like keeps an eye on all of the research related to like acupuncture and stroke and TBI and neurotransmitters. And like every three months just sends me kind of a slew of papers. And wow. so I'm constantly reading the new research. I'm constantly buying books. I'm constantly reading and, and trying to cross-reference what one person is doing and how that correlates with what another person is doing and, and trying to, you know, how do, how do I take information from the field of like vestibular rehabilitation and overlay that with what we know in terms of Chinese medicine and treating vestibular disorders. And so I'm constantly trying to make connections with all these different disciplines. So one of the things that I've noticed, and uh, I mean, there are a lot of things we can talk about tonight, but I wanna just jump into this part, is the, you know, we have our TCM intake, but there is a huge issue with acupuncturists being able to take an intake that would be acceptable to um, any other physician in the area, any other Western medical physician in the area, whether it's just a general intake or an orthopedic intake or a neurological intake. Have you seen that deficiency as well? 
Yes, and in a lot of the the courses that I do, I give my students a list of new questions that should be included in an intake form specific to people with neurological disorders. Mm -hmm. And so I think that we do need to go beyond our list of 10 questions that we commonly ask everybody. And especially when you're dealing with neurological issues, there's kind of a whole other um, slew of questions that we should ask people that are related specifically to say the frontal lobe or the cerebellum or the autonomic nervous system or the parietal lobe, uh, you know, that are helpful to try to determine what parts of the brain may not be working as well as they could be. Mm -hmm. And you found, uh, this is probably a silly question, but in your estimation, acupuncture it, compared with all the other treatments that are out there and there are many that are very effective in treating concussion where does acupuncture does it have a really strong role in the recovery from concussion i think that it can and uh i think what we really need to do in terms of us as a profession treating people with concussions is we we can't look at concussion and say, okay, someone had a concussion, so what acupuncture points do I do? Mm -hmm. So we're kind of missing a huge intermediate step there, which is, well, what is that patient's presentation? Because every single person with a concussion is going to have a very unique set of symptoms. And so the really important thing is understanding what parts of the brain are working and what parts of the brain are not working so well. And we need to start by figuring that piece out first so that we can start tailoring our treatments to the individual person. And, you know, the, the strength of our medicine is that we typically think about things from a very individual perspective. But I, I, what I'm seeing in our profession is that because people aren't trained to deal with concussions, they're looking for that concussion protocol. And there is none because everybody's going to present very differently. And so what we um, really need to do is learn that intermediate step of, okay, I have a patient with a concussion, what are their symptoms and how do I interpret those symptoms into a deeper understanding of what parts of the brain aren't functioning? So some people might present more with cognitive deficits and their biggest complaint is the brain fog and the poor memory and the, the brain fatigue that happens really quickly when they try to read or um, study. For other people, their main issues might be vestibular. And so they might have a whole lot of vestibular imbalances that are causing vertigo and dizziness and nausea and car sickness. And then somebody else might come in and they might have more of the autonomic dysfunction where they have the exercise intolerance and uh, poor sleep and um, sweating issues and you know, issues with their heart rate or their blood pressure causing dizziness. And so if we can start to identify which systems aren't working for that particular individual, we can start to tailor our treatments to that, that system. And I think that's what, you know, the, the, the main take home point that I'm trying to teach with a lot of my classes is how do you figure that piece out? And then what do those individualized treatment strategies actually really look like? Mm. And with that, it's, it's, yeah, and I don't want to get into this too much, but let me, I'll go ahead and ask it. But like basically, obviously, depending on the severity of the concussion or the type of deficits that there are, depends on your expectations of outcome, like when we might start seeing results or how long the treatment plan would be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the tools that I talk about is there's a, there's a graded symptom checklist that people can fill out. And it's something that you can, you know, find online. And with that graded symptom checklist for concussions, there are about 27 different symptoms. And so you can use that checklist as a type of prognosis tool where if somebody maybe only has like 12 or 15 out of the 27, that person will probably get better quicker than the person that has, you know, 25 out of 27 symptoms. So the, the number of symptoms, the amount of symptoms can be used as kind of that tool for, uh, you know, prognosis. And then I also, you know, go back to our Chinese medicine concept of qi stagnation versus phlegm. 
And so if you've got somebody with a concussion where there's predominantly more of a chi stagnation issue, well, we're really, really good at quickly moving chi. And so that person's probably going to get better faster than the person that has this like long-standing phlegm heat blocking the sensory orifices in the brain. And now we have to get in and we have to clear out the phlegm. And we all know that, you know, moving phlegm is a little bit more difficult than moving chi. So even our Chinese medicine theoretical concepts there uh, come in handy, I believe, in terms of prognosis. Yeah, so you're actually also utilizing a crossover with Chinese medicine, and then your treatment principles are also can be within Chinese medicine as well. For sure, yeah. Very cool. That's that's very very cool. Now. What I'm going to ask you on a more personal note, what, what made you want to get involved with uh, not only neurology, but concussion and other, and what are your other interests within the field of neurology? Yeah, I, I mean, I got interested in concussions specifically because I'd had at least seven, if not more, concussions. And in, it was one of those things where with each concussion, I just uh, still had this mindset of, oh, I'm fine. And no big deal and, and never really paid close attention to it. So it's that they weren't concussions where I ended up in the hospital or wasn't able to walk away from them. And because I was able to just walk away and probably paying way more attention to my physical injuries versus the head injury, I just, you know, never really dealt with the concussions. And then finally it got to the point where I started to realize that uh, so many of my issues that I was dealing with in terms of like insomnia and, you know, uh, I would say definitely my inability to handle stress. And I was like realizing as I was trying to study for an exam that my memory was not working and everything I was studying, I was immediately forgetting. And uh, so, and then I would have weird symptoms where every time I stopped my car, I felt like I was still moving. Um, or every time I got in an elevator, I got off the elevator, I would be super dizzy and kind of disoriented. So there was a lot of random symptoms that I just was kind of dealing with. And then when I finally went, oh, like, and started to see that whole picture of like adding up all the different head trauma on top of doing, you know, 15 years of martial arts where I was constantly having the subconcussive hits to the head during sparring, I started to realize, you know, this is, um, essentially that perfect storm, just like football players, whereas a football player, you have, you know, hundreds and hundreds of repetitive subconcussive hits to the head. And then you throw a couple of actual concussions on top of it. And all of a sudden, you know, you've got, you know, some pretty like chronic low level inflammation in the brain that's causing a lot of brain fog. And, and then you've got these other symptoms. And so I tried to deal with all of that naturally through supplements, through herbs, uh, and, and I would say that I felt like I got maybe 40 to 50% better. And then I hit a bit of a wall in terms of recovery. And that was when I discovered the, the Carrick Institute and functional neurology and, and neuro rehab. And I felt like that is what got me the rest of the way, um, to, to getting better. And so it became really obvious to me that in recovery from concussion, you're not looking for just the one therapy that's going to fix everything. You're, you're really needing to put together a comprehensive program. Kind of like if you're training for a triathlon, you're not just going to hop on a bike and train on a bike the whole time. You got to have the running piece. You've got to have the strength piece, the swimming piece. You, you know, it's like uh, same thing with CrossFit, you know, with CrossFit, you can't just be super strong. You've got to be flexible and be able to do the gymnastics, you know, aspect to it. And so it's the same thing with concussions is we're not looking for, you know, just acupuncture. Uh, you know, I don't think that that's the end all be all of concussion care. Um, you know, a lot of what I'm doing is, you know, almost like a personal training program for the brain. So I'm giving people, you know, different movement exercises and different eye exercises and different brain exercises. And I'm talking about diet and lifestyle and supplements and herbs and, and really bringing a, a lot of ingredients into the, the therapeutic treatment program. So as you mentioned, the functional neurology got you the rest of the way. Have you seen it the other way around where people had all the other kind of uh, rehab uh, and then the acupuncture got them the rest of the way? 
or helped kind of move them along faster. I've seen that too. Absolutely. So that's, that's really interesting though. Yeah. I'd imagine you'd want to take as many uh, types of treatments as you can. I mean, why just stop at once, especially considering all the types of deficits that you can have following a uh, concussion anyway. Yeah. And you know, taking the, the frontal lobe, for example, when you've got a, a frontal lobe deficit, uh, you've really got to activate the frontal lobe through a lot of different mechanisms. So it's not just about, you know, using acupuncture to drive blood flow to the brain. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and a great, a great example is the hyperbaric chamber. So a lot of people are doing hyperbaric oxygen therapy, but the, the most recent research is saying that the benefits of hyperbaric oxygen actually are greater if the person then goes and does some kind of cognitive task within like an hour after doing the hyperbaric chamber. And so it's this idea of pairing something that improves cerebral glucose metabolism and improves blood flow to the brain with these cognitive tasks. I like And that. I think that's really important. Yeah, that's really cool. It's yeah. like a dynamic rehab, you know? It's exactly. Like, it's, it's really passive if you just go in the hyperbaric chamber. It's, it's a little more passive, you know, but if you go and then have, you know, do a series of cognitive tasks, that makes sense. It actually does make sense that now you're really just supercharging the and challenging the brain and it, and, and it makes sense that it would even heal much faster. That's really cool. Yeah. It's really cool. It's a really... And I, in my clinic, I've got a bunch of dots. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, on my ceiling, I have a bunch of dots above my treatment table. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a rapid eye movement from one target to the other uses the frontal lobe. And so I can literally have people laying on my table, staring up at the ceiling and doing some eye exercises while the needles are in and, and getting kind of this, you know, frontal lobe activation during the acupuncture. Oh, that is cool. That is very cool. And, and why not? Why would you not want them while they're there, lying there to do something that's, you know, just going to help them, help the treatment even more? That makes, that makes a lot yeah, of sense. Exactly. And it can, it can be even as simple as like listening to binaural beats during the treatment too, so that you're getting kind of this, you know, right and left brain activation happening at the same time. So there's all kinds of creative ways of uh, incorporating some different, you know, uh, sensory stimulus into the the treatment that enhances it through whether it's lights or sound or eye movements or all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I mean, we're seeing that more and more with, with treatments. It's not just put the needles in and walk out, you know. There are a lot of things you can do, whether it's stroke care, you know, um, even with distal acupuncture mm -hmm. movement, right? I, I know, I forget the name of it they use. Exactly. For that, you know, and uh, they're very, very cool. I'm going to, are there any other... I know we've been focusing on concussion because it's just, it's, it's really, it's really important to, especially with a lot of the military, you know, military people coming back, man, I'm, I'm seeing concussions. Um, even with the handful of vets that I see, I don't see a lot of people now because of CMTW, but you know, they have, uh, or even just people off the street. I mean, you know, it's just amazing what people do and they just walk it off. I mean, that's what we did when we were kids. You could walk off a you know a broken arm. I just walk it off. Okay, I'm better, you know, and walk around with it for a week before you got treatment. Right. So is it something that do you see? Yeah. Is it is it definitely increasing in 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 the, the numbers of people coming in with concussion or that are getting them now? Now that we have you know more of awareness through sports and also because of the events. The the thing that I'm seeing is that there's a, a huge awareness within the basic, you know, population uh, in terms of the awareness of concussions and the importance of, you know, pulling somebody out of a game if they do get a concussion. And there are a lot more protocols within, you know, organized sports about uh, concussion awareness. But the, the missing piece is that even though there's an increase in awareness and there's an increase in the understanding and the importance of taking somebody out of a game or taking them out of a situation where they could potentially get hit a second time, um, once they get into the medical system, the, the treatments are still lacking. And there's, you know, I think that's one of the things where the Carrick Institute was really the leading institution in saying, hey, in, in regards to concussion recovery and actual therapy, we have to have a multidisciplinary approach where we are 
you know, assessing for the eye movement disorders. We're assessing for the vestibular dysfunction. We're assessing for the dysautonomia and the dysfunction within the autonomic nervous system. And we're doing the cognitive rehab and we're doing the balance rehab. And you have to have all these different components. You can't just treat one or the other. Mm. You're going to fail if you're just looking at one piece of the pie. And so the Carrick Institute was really ahead of everybody else in putting together a very comprehensive program and understanding not only the neuroanatomy and the neurophysiology and the pathophysiology of concussion, but then coming in and saying, here's how you do the multidisciplinary rehab program. And so I think that after the Carrick Institute and Dr. Carrick, you know, would taught that way back in 2015, all this research has come out basically in the last five years that have validated everything he was already teaching way back in, you know, 2015. Right, right. Yep. And so it's very exciting that finally the research is validating what he's saying. And now it can be um, a much bigger conversation with everybody, you know, the physical therapists and the doctors and the neurooptometrists. And, and so hopefully as we move forward, it's like everybody's getting to be more on the same page and having that respect for the need for the interdisciplinary care and that none of this is straightforward and it's not about just one practitioner, you know, being able to do everything. Well, the worst thing I would think would be is to just put somebody on medications and assume that it's going to get better. This seems to require a very dynamic, multifaceted intervention. It just seems to make sense, right? Absolutely. I'm glad, you know, that, that his, Dr. Carrick's, you know, research or his kind of beliefs and what he learned and what he saw and what he did is now being validated by research in a relatively short period of time. I mean, sometimes it takes decades to get your, your work validated. <laughs> sure, so this, true, yeah, yeah. This is pretty cool. Um, did he face a lot of um, naysayers? Oh, I, I'm sure that he did, but he, I don't think that, I think that the people that have seen him lecture and heard him talk and seen him treat patients, once you see him in action, you understand that this man is in a league of his own in terms of his level of intelligence, his level of understanding of the brain. I mean, he leads uh, brain dissection courses and it, I mean, he, when he looks at somebody and when he's doing his neurological exams, you know that he can just visualize every single pathway in the brain and he can pick up on stuff that you wouldn't even realize was happening. I mean, it's, it's just phenomenal, his, his level of expertise. And so anybody who criticizes him is probably coming from a place of ignorance because they haven't seen him in action. And once you see what he's capable of and how his brain works, it's, it's just incredible. So what would you recommend an acupuncturist, or how, how am I going to ask this? Um, how, how would you recommend an acupuncturist go about learning more about neurology and the neurological? Um, I mean, we've talked about some projects that I really hope we get to work on with you that, that'll just be amazing. And uh, we're very lucky uh, to have you here. But what other like resources, whether it be online, books, like institutes that they can go study at on continuing ed, any, any recommendations? Yeah, the, you know, one of the things that the Carrick Institute faced was the, the fact that their kind of introductory course was a 25 weekend long course. And that's a huge <laughs> commitment. That's it. And so <laughs> they have that, yeah, just 25 weekends, you know, no big deal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they have started a couple of introductory courses to uh, kind of their way of thinking and, and training. And so they have something called their Receptor-Based Essentials, which is a five-weekend-long course. And I think that that's a great way of kind of getting an introduction into the neurological exams and, and the kind of way of thinking about the brain in these functional terms. Um, so, so they have that course, which I think is great. And then, um, you know, I'm trying to teach more courses that are like hands-on practice with the neurological exam piece, because I've lectured a lot and I've talked about all the exams I do, but the, the feedback I keep getting from people is, well, we actually want to practice these exams. We need the hands-on practice, which is so true. 
you know, it took me a year of doing exams day in and day out before I felt, you know, much more fluid and comfortable and just quickly running through a lot of the, the exam techniques. So uh, my goal, you know, is to start teaching more of these hands-on practical uh, workshops. Well, that's a beautiful and, thing. Yeah. You know, when it comes to teaching concussions, yeah, it's such a great entry point because you, you can't, you can't learn about helping somebody with a concussion without having to learn your basic neuroanatomy and, uh, you know, neurophysiology. And so, you know, when I teach about concussions, people walk away with so much more information than just concussion recovery. They walk away with a whole new window into the brain and brain function that applies to everybody because we are all walking around with brains and all of our brains have functional you know differences and so uh the the concussion courses are so much more than just treating concussions it's really just about treating the brain and that can be applied to so many other disorders so oh, sure. that's why i like that's why i like teaching about concussions is because it's uh it's information is so much uh, so transferable to other disorders as well well, and absolutely, and we really do need to know it because we need to be able to communicate both in our records, our notes, and with other, you know, verbally on the phone with other pract medical practitioners. We've seen the benefit of those that have the ability to do that. Um, they post it on the group, and it's just the response is so much better from the Western med medicine docs that they they just the acceptance is so much more you know and it's so that is still so important so and again you having you as the bridge to provide this education to acupuncturists and then say yes and this is how you could can treat these things with acupuncture is just you know this is what we need this is like you know re really important because you also know how to break it down as an acupuncturist. You know what we also need to know as far as treatment. And then how to, and then if you can, again, I, uh, and I'll harp on this yet again, but if you can have in your notes the, the objective tests, any tests that you have, symptoms too, of course, but anything objective that you can have in your notes mm -hmm. to show, and you're gonna have a neurologist look at that and go, oh, oh okay, yeah, this, this is speaking my language. You know, this is what we want. So it's just gonna help the, the field. Exactly. And one last question, and then we'll go to some yeah. Q and A, if that's okay. Did you or did you have something else? Um, I was just gonna say, I think one of the the trickiest things in terms of the neurological exams is that as as you start doing those neurological exams, I think the question that always comes up is, okay, well, I'm seeing something, but how do I interpret it? Mm. And and that's a, a big key too in terms of the educational pieces. It's not just about doing an exam. It's about being able to really understand what is this exam telling me. And in the world of you know functional neurological exams, um, you start to really have an appreciation for the complexity of the brain. And one exam, you know, is is really just one piece of data. And so you're constantly cross referencing all of your findings to really create a, a bigger picture of what what's going on with with this patient so um again in regards to charting that's such a big aspect is like not only is it you know i did all these exams but here's what the exams are telling me and here's why i did these acupuncture points and oh look here's the post exam which showed all these improvements and so now we've got this you know objective ammunition to say hey, we've just improved this person's central nervous system in a really profound way, which is very exciting. Oh, that's so, so important. This is so good to have. Um, and this is why it's so good to be an acupuncturist right now. I mean, we do have other political issues, things that we need to improve upon. But boy, this is, this is the time because the people making the, you know, the, um, the connections is just, it's, it's incredible. Um, what else do you like to treat? What other neurological conditions or any conditions do you like to treat with acupuncture or do you have do you have time to or are you just focused on this i would say about 70 to 80 percent of my patients are coming in for concussions or traumatic brain injuries um i do have a few people that have had brain tumors um, i've worked with some parkinson's patients uh some ms patients i've seen 
uh, a handful of people that have had Lyme disease and Lyme disease can have a big neurological component. Mm -hmm. And so um, I do, you know, enjoy working with that population too. And then, you know, chronic pain is very much a, a central nervous system dysregulation. So I do also uh, see a lot of people that have chronic pain as well. It's amazing the role that they're finding neurogenic inflammation plays a part in allergies and RA and everything else. It's like if you can get that neurological aspect of it treated, mm -hmm. then you can significantly, you know, affect those in a positive way. Um, you want to take some questions? Um, well, I'm, I'm seeing some questions in the chat room. So do you want to, do you want to go through some of those? Yeah, it's up to you. I mean, I can hit the Q&A first or we can go up here. Let's see what we have. Some people were asking about the spelling of the Carrick Center. Okay. Yeah, C-A-R-R-I-C-K. Annalisa put the web address in there. So thank, thank you for doing that, Annalisa. Very cool. Perfect. <clears throat> um, somebody asked if I treat Parkinson's, and I do. And I actually just posted a two-and-a-half-hour uh lecture on Parkinson's on my website. So if people want an in-depth conversation, yeah, in-depth conversation about the, the neuroanatomy, neurophysiology of Parkinson's, and then what kind of neurological exams that I do, um, I, I have all of that in there. And then I do a case study. So I've got, you know, some videos of like before and after gait analysis and like finger tapping and things like that. Um, so that's available on my website. I just posted it like two weeks ago. What's your website? Uh, which is acupuncturenurology.com. Let me go ahead and put that right in here. Acupuncturenurology.com. And then uh, another, yeah, I'll let you type that first. Oh, Perfect, that? thank you. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> okay, and then somebody asked if I do electroacupuncture, and I do a lot of electroacupuncture. I do a lot of scalp electroacupuncture as well as distal. Uh, as distal points as well. Um, let's see. And then somebody asked if a concussion can generate a perpetual headache. And that is probably the most common symptom that people have with concussions is um, what you would call just like a constant dull headache that's always there. And when we look at even the Chinese medicine differential diagnosis for headaches, that kind of like constant, intense, but dull headache is usually considered like a, a damp headache or a yin, uh, kind of yin excess headache. Mm. And so when you look at that, uh, you know, from a Chinese medicine differential diagnosis of concussions, we have initially this acute stage of swelling and dampness, but then that swelling and dampness, when it doesn't resolve, it turns into a phlegm heat condition. And so you've got this phlegm in the brain that then becomes an, an excess yin or an excess of dampness in the brain. And that's what's driving these like constant headaches. So uh, from, again, a Chinese medicine perspective, you would want to be transforming phlegm and draining damp. And then also uh, there's usually an element of blood stagnation or blood stasis too, if there's kind of more of the sharper headaches or stabbing or throbbing pain. Um, but yeah, a lot of those constant headaches are the, the excess yin type headaches where you've got to drain damp and transform phlegm. So it seems like you're uh, what else questions. do we have? <laughs> I'll just let you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, someone else wanted to know if I use, um, uh, rapid eye movements during my treatment. Um, I actually, I do refer out to a lot of EMDR therapists. Uh, a lot of, a lot of people with concussions if they've had a past trauma or past or or the concussion itself was traumatic and there's like an emotional component to it um, those people do really well with EMDR so I do refer out for for counseling for EMDR for neurofeedback and I think that those are really valuable pieces um, for people that have a huge emotional um, component to their their kind of ongoing post-concussion syndrome so that'll be my answer to that. Um, 
somebody wants to know about red flags. Um, if a patient isn't getting enough care from their MD and needs to be referred for a full neurological consult. If you have a suspicion that somebody's not getting enough of a comprehensive care, I would definitely try to find somebody that specializes in concussions, whether it's a neurologist or if you can find a, a functional neurologist or a chiropractic neurologist um, that can provide a more comprehensive examination, that's probably a good idea. Uh, I've definitely had patients that went to their medical doctor and have had a concussion and the medical doctor never touched them, never did a neurological exam, you know, basically just kind of sent them home and said, just rest and, and eventually, you know, you'll get better. But then when that's not what happens, they're kind of left with, gee, I don't know what to do with you. So it all depends on the doctor and their level of uh, concussion awareness and training and open-mindedness to uh, looking at things from a more functional perspective. Um, so if someone's not getting the care they need, I would try to find them somebody else who has special training in concussions and TBI. Um, somebody asked about epilepsy. Concussions, well, yes, I work with uh, people with ep epilepsy. I have a 12-year-old kid right now. Uh, I have an 11-year-old and a 12-year-old that I'm working with. Um, concussions can cause seizures. Uh, that is uh, uh, possible as well. And, and in, in these instances, basically, you've got areas of the brain that have too much excitement happening and areas of the brain that are supposed to be inhibiting activity that are failing to inhibit that activity. So, you know, I, we, we, I think in Chinese medicine, our concept of yin and yang and the idea that you can have normal levels of yang and a relative deficiency of yin that drives a deficiency heat pattern. Like in the brain, we have these same, in the brain, we have these same mechanisms of like, excitation and inhibition and we need everything to be in this perfect balance and when it's not all kinds of things can go haywire uh, so you know that's how a lot i look at a lot of this is um we're, we're really trying to bring things back into balance and i i have had a lot of good results in in people with seizures and different uh seizure type disorders uh, all right Somebody else asked about timing, and I see patients um, both acutely after concussions, like within the first couple of weeks to couple of months, but then I also see people that have had concussions, you know, five, ten years ago, and, you know, you're always thinking about the brain in terms of neuroplasticity and how can we drive neuroplasticity, and so I, I always tell people it's never too... Um, it's never too late to try to work with somebody and see if you can improve, you know, neurological functioning in somebody, even if it's been several years after the concussion. So um, that's where the neurological exams really come into play is that if you're wondering, you know, can I help this person or am I helping this person? Uh, the neurological examination piece is really key because if you're seeing improvements in a neurological exam, you know right away that you're making a, a, an important difference, even if it hasn't immediately translated into a symptomatic uh, change. So it at least tells you you're on the right track. Um, so, so I work with people from all different time points post-concussion. And uh, someone asked about the location of the Carrick Institute. The, the beautiful thing about the Carrick Institute is that they teach all over the world and they teach in multiple different cities in this country, and they have lots of online programs as well. So um, they make it uh, relatively easy to, to take classes remotely. Um, I did teach a two-day functional neurology kind of introduction course for them, and that is online, so people can watch that video uh, so they don't have to travel anywhere. Um, so they've done a good job of making, making things accessible. Mm. Can here's one. Can you mention your appearance at the ASM meeting in September? Thanks. <laughs> ah, um, yes. The Mark. <laughs> Mark. Um, yes, I'm going to be doing a, a four-hour four presentation at the Acupuncture Society of Massachusetts annual symposium that's happening in Boston on September 21st. <laughs>
It's going to be good. So get out, get out there. That's I, my, that's my commercial Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've never been to Boston, so I'm excited. Lucky you. It's as good as Syracuse. Oh, <laughs> um, we're, uh, let's see. Okay. Is your concussion lecture the best place to start? Thank you. There was more to this question, but I'm just going to get to the end of it, Chrissy. She has a patient that has a whiplash injury from a bad adjustment, so not from a car accident, and has a lot of post-concussive signs and symptoms. So she was asking, is your concussion lecture the best place to start? Uh, um, in my lecture, well, yeah, my lectures cover a lot of information about how people present. And so it, it really allows people in our profession to have a pretty quickly a, a much deeper understanding of why somebody has the symptoms that they have. And so I do think that even just in my, you know, four hour lecture, people walk away with a much greater under deeper understanding of why these concussion patients present with the symptoms that they present with. And so people can start to understand again, what systems are involved and then how to start tailoring their treatments to addressing the, the symptoms that are, that are there. So the short answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Do you work with a cranial sacral therapist as part of your treatment team? Uh, I do cranial sacral therapy. Uh, I've been trained through the Upledger Institute and I've been doing it since 2008. And so I do combine craniosacral work uh, in my practice. And then if I feel like somebody really needs a, like um, kind of the, the, a deeper combination of the two and if I don't have the time, then I will refer them out to another craniosacral therapist in my town. So um, not only do I do cranial work, I do also refer out when I want someone to, to receive kind of more, more of that. But there's, you know, a lot of research looking at the, uh, the lymphatic system of the brain and how important that lymphatic system is in terms of clearing out metabolic waste. And so many people with concussions have sleep issues. And so they're not getting proper sleep and they're not getting into those really deep levels of sleep where the, the ducts in the brain all open up and they dump all those toxins. So a lot of these people do have a lot of like what they call the glymphatic system. They have a lot of uh, problems with, uh, you know, the lymphatics of the brain and that, you know, the fluid mechanics in the brain. So I do think that cranial work is really helpful for a lot of that. Um, Steve, I don't think you got to this one, Amy. Steve has a question about recommendations for dealing with sub-concussive blows for martial arts training, for prevention of complications or management while training. I'd say keep your, keep your hands up and uh, try not to get hit. <laughs> I took martial arts too, um, easier said than done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. With the, with the sub-concussive hits to the head, they tend to uh, prime the immune system, the microglia in the brain, and so they can create kind of a low-level inflammation. And scutellaria is actually one of the best herbs out there for modulating the microglia in the brain. And so I'm a huge fan of using Huang Chin as an herb for uh, kind of modulating the microglial reaction that can happen when people are getting hit in the head frequently. There's a, a product by Apex Energetics called Neuroflam, and it has all of the flavonoids that I've shown through research to, to help modulate that microglial response. And so that formula called Neuroflam, uh, they have two different versions of it. The one that's um, product number K77 is the one that I use because they've actually simplified the formula in that one and taken out a few ingredients. Um, and again, they, uh, Apex doesn't pay me to promote their products, so I'm, I'm not getting any kickbacks here. Um, but that's one of the, the products that I use for people that have kind of possible uh, low-grade inflammation happening in the brain due to those subconcussive hits. Um, last one from Ruben. For those that did your acupuncture and functional neurology course on Carrick, 
at the Carrick Institute or on mm -hmm. their website, maybe, I don't know. Is there a support group where we can join? Thanks. Um, there is a Facebook group for people that took that course. So it's a closed group just for those people. Uh, I have, uh, in uh, full honesty, not done a good job of kind of been actively participating in that. I had to kind of take a break from social media over the last year. Um, but I am going to, that's one of my, um, not New Year's resolutions, but maybe like midsummer resolutions is to, uh, maybe come come out of my my year long hiatus from social media and start to to be more uh, useful on the internet in terms of sharing information. So <laughs> I really I really hope so. And um, if anybody wants to tag Amy in a, in the CNTW group, let's see if she's a member. And then tag Amy if you have any questions on on anything. <laughs> Amy and Clayton, and there are some other, you know, people, which brings you to this one. You may have gotten to this, I, I don't know, but do you treat post-drug patients? I do, yeah. Yeah, I actually really, uh, I enjoy working with stroke patients, and the, the theories or the approaches are a little bit different than with concussions, because with a concussion, you've got more of this functional, uh, you know, deficit, and so you're trying to find out how can I bring function back. In, in terms of the stroke patients, you have these anatomical lesions that have actually taken out you know, part of the brain. And so the, the approach then is more about um, how can I wake up the areas that went to sleep that were around the main focal point of the, the bleed? Um, so how can I like have an impact on that penumbra area and wake up these cells that maybe have gone dormant? And then also, how can I use the parts of the brain that are working uh, to kind of compensate for the parts of the brain that are not working? So it's, there, there are some differences in strategy in terms of working with those two different populations of people. Awesome. Well, I think, like I mentioned before, um, really hope to, uh, you know, we've, like I said, we've mentioned working on some projects together. I really hope that um, you uh, work with us because we have some good, um, what am I trying to say here? Some goodies that I think are really going some to be goodies. helpful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm really excited um, to, to, to talk more about concussion and, and really help. Because I think our overall, one of our overall goals is, and, and one of the simpler things that we've talked about is, you know, really helping people uh, in their, learn how to, t to do an intake, how to take an actual, you know, neurological intake. So we'll be working with that, with you. We we'll hope to work with Jamie Chavez on the orthopedic intake and some others too, um, so that, you know, we, we start getting that down where we can communicate with, with other um, with other practitioners. And also the concussion project that we've spoke about, I'm not going to go into it very, very any more than that because you know we have some details to work out, but that is going to be amazing. Amazing, so everybody please, anytime you have a chance yeah. to see Amy speak, uh, go do it. Massachusetts has a, September 22nd, it's on a Sunday. Their acupuncture society is having their annual meeting and you'll be there, Amy, to do a four-hour talk. Everybody take advantage of it. With the Neurological Summit, you were there last year. Um, I heard nothing but good things um, uh, about uh, the, the summit as a whole, but also um, from your presentation there. And, of course, Clayton was there and some others, too. Uh, so it must have been really awesome. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Must it, have been really it, was a really, it was a really awesome weekend. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited to see that our profession is is uh, specializing in that way because you know I I think that the the people that created like ABORM and that really took the fertility and turned that into a specialty. I feel like we need to do the same thing with neurology because human beings are so complex, and in order for us to really um, be good at what we're doing. I think that specializing is is a is a really good way, and especially with neurology. I mean, that's like one of the most complex fields you could probably get into, in my opinion. And so you can't kind of dive in in a you know a, you know casual way. You've got to kind of commit to 
going down the rabbit hole of really learning the neuroanatomy and the neurophysiology and how that relates to how people are presenting with their symptoms. And, um, and I love it and I love teaching it. And I, I'm excited that there are more people that are wanting to specialize in that area. Cause I think neurological diseases are only becoming more common and we're going to start seeing more of them and we need to know how to, how to treat them. And the level of documentation, this, this is something when we, we spoke a week or so ago and you brought this up too, when you can document, properly and you you can you can have a case study to present to a journal or to you know the healthcare field in some other way that is huge because we need that we need more proof yeah you know even though it's only at the case study level it's still pretty damn good that we even start doing that so i think that uh and, and absolutely and, right i mean and that was really well when you said that that was just like it is so important. It's even more important now that we be able to document properly mm -hmm. um, everything. Andrea says, very exciting that this level of education is available to us. Thanks, Amy and Josh. Thank you, Amy. I'm just here. I somehow talked her into doing this. So, you know, <laughs> so also um, just got a lot of, a lot of people. Thank you. Martina says, thank you. Um, I think this is Kelly. I can't see your whole name. I'm sorry. I appreciate your time, Amy. Looking forward to watching and reading from your site. Yeah, acupuncturenurology.com, correct? Right. And if people sign up for my newsletter, I, I promise I don't send out newsletters very often. But when I do, they've got all the information on free articles, on podcasts, on events, on live trainings, on online lectures. So, you know, once every two or three months, you might get an email from me, but it's got all of the information on where I'm teaching and what's going on. So um, I won't spam you, <laughs> um, but it, it's a great way to just stay in touch with, with what I'm doing. So <laughs> please sign up for my newsletter. Absolutely. I highly recommend the degree, the thoroughness of what you write and present is second to none. So thank you so much, Amy, for coming on. Everyone else, I will have this up on the CMTW group at some point. I now have to go and do some things, you know, some tech stuff, and that's going to take a little bit of time. But I will eventually have this up on uh, AccuVids.com under the free membership and hopefully on the CMTW group. If not, then definitely on AccuVids. I think that's it. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for the, the, the appreciative comments here. And, and, and uh, thank yes, you. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah. So. And uh, we'll see you in the group and uh, we'll talk more. All right. Awesome. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.